and welcome back to Until Lives of Women with me, your host, the Nairobi Feminist. Welcome back to another exciting episode. And before you go anywhere, please don't forget to subscribe because I will be releasing a new episode every Thursday that I don't want you to miss. And while you're at it, please check out our social media platforms at the Nairobi Feminist. I love you for listening, so let me have my guest introduce himself and we can carry on from there. Yeah, my name is Kennedy Marete. Commonly known on this internet streets as Wakili Timon. I am a Kenyan lawyer, advocate of the High Court of Kenya, and a Kenyan biker. Doing uh, racing, doing adventure riding, and a lot of uh, traveling ar- across the country and across the region. And what made you start getting into racing? Yeah, initially I used to be you no know, a car person like most people. But unfortunately, in Nairobi, you don't really get to enjoy driving around because of uh, the perennial issue of traffic jams. So I would see one particular guy who had a small bike, a green, nice-looking bike, passing us on traffic at the same time every morning. And I would always ask myself, what time did this guy leave the house? And how soon would they arrive? Because he would pass us at a place where I was always at least an hour and a half away from work. Uh-huh. Uh, Eventually, I made up my mind and thought, let me look up these bike things and see what they're all about. And yeah, sooner, a few years later, I found myself uh, invested, having watched hundreds of hours of YouTube videos, probably thousands, chosen a bike that I liked, chosen a budget for the same. And then, yeah, I just actually bought the first bike to be commuting to work and avoiding traffic. And then once you get into biking apparently it opens so many doors for you you don't even realize apparently there's a community behind uh, riding that you, you're not alone so when you uh-huh. ride a fast you find yourself surrounded by hundreds of people with uh, the common passion for riding and yeah we tend to like uh, protect each other and in the process you find yourself getting to know people and getting to form bonds with people and that's how i ended up uh, getting introduced to racing by people who were investing their skills you know when it right for drivers you can just get away with just having basic training from the driving school buying a car and driving it however you want but for riding because of uh, how bad kenyan road users especially the drivers are you have to go the extra mile of uh, making yourself a better rider so you have to spend so much time like uh, improving your skill you invest in so much more training and uh, one of the ways you can actually do that training is by participating in racing. Unfortunately for me, that was not how I got into racing. I got into racing because one of the people I used to look up to as a, a, an elite rider had an accident on the 6th of May 2018, which cost him his life. And uh, in the course of discussing, you know, what can be done to improve the safety, someone told me that I shouldn't be talking about racing in Kenya without participating. So I took it upon myself to do this in his legacy. And uh, now here we are having won multiple championships in the country, doing very well in racing. Well, I know I'm currently like at home, <laughs> healing wounds from a recent accident, but loving it whatsoever with absolutely no regrets to having done this. And I'm looking forward to actually getting back to riding as soon as I get healed. Yeah, um, first of all, yeah, I, I, there are no words that I can share because so many people go through a bad incident and they really wouldn't want to go back behind a bike but that just shows your passion towards riding and 
what has it been like um, from on your high moments? What have what has it been like being you, one of the top racers in the country, just crossing boundaries and just breaking records everywhere? Uh, I would say when you're doing something for a cause, mm-hmm. you usually don't really love it the way the people who are doing it out of passion do. Uh-huh. But the good thing about uh, being a motorcyclist and a racer is when you find yourself doing something, whether you're doing it for a cause or for any other reason, something that tends to drive your passion because you want to do it properly. You want to do it the way it's supposed to, to be done. And along the way, I have uh, been able to interact with some extremely gifted racers. I've been uh-huh. very lucky people who are elite in their skill uh, levels come to the category where I was comfortable doing the racing and, you know, showing me the way. Uh, the likes of uh, Shaiman Mughal, we have another one called Aminzo. Those two people, especially Aminzo, that, you know, racing against them. When you race against someone who's really good, you get uh-huh. to follow someone who's just like really, really, really good. And then you learn how to become better than you are when you began that race because now you can see something that is different from what you have and uh, when you put that into years of racing you know several uh, events you're talking about like tens of uh, races you end up getting to a level where at the end of the race it's technically between the two of you there's nobody else because it's just that good so it feels good to say i can you know a lot of people actually talk about me out there talk about me because of the racing thing but i'm more of an adventure rider but it's good to know that I have inspired a few people with the racing thing and I'm hoping that we are able to do a lot of contributions that will enable the Kenyan uh, racing community grow that race, motorcycle racing spot to some career spot where our kids and their kids can actually go learn how to ride, use their talents to make money the, the likes of uh, Mac Marquez and uh, Valentino Rossi across the world. You can make millions from this talent. Why not be in Kenya? definitely and yeah we really hope that's where we'll get to and with people like you i'm sure we'll get to that that level where kids and anyone who's interested can make money off it um you mentioned that you are an adventurer so could you share with us some of the adventures or some of the trips you've taken uh the weirdest is uh, when i was uh, barely a few months into riding i did uh, nine counties went to kisumu then from Nairobi to Kisumu, and then on my way back, instead of coming directly, I went back through Doret, Iten, Cabernet, no, uh, Mar- it's, it's called uh, Marigat, back to Nairobi. And then there's a time I went a few years, a few months later, I think after riding for three months, we went with some guys to Ethiopia through Moyale. Uh-huh. Uh, back and then thereafter, I think in April of 2018, when I was uh, eight months into riding, I went to Mombasa through the Garissa Road. Where you go to Garissa and then you turn right. Back then there was not a map of Garissa to Mombasa. I was riding a spot bike. And there was a problem with uh, terrorism. So I ended up uh, stumbling into a place I shouldn't. I had no business being in the first place. And I was very lucky to be arrested by special forces from Kenya at a place where there was a very high likelihood of me being intercepted by terrorists. And in the 45 minutes where I lay, lay on the ground with my eyes blindfolded as they wanted to confirm my identity, mm-hmm. I tell you I made my decisions. And that's the only reason why the only counties I've not been to in Kenya are Wajia and Mandera, where there is still a bit of insecurity due to rampant terrorism. Uh, yeah. 
and then from there I've done I think seven oh, seven neighboring countries. The only country that's neighboring Kenya that I've not been to is uh, I think that would be Somalia. And I think bikes are illegal there. Uh, I've been to South Sudan. I've been to Ethiopia multiple times. Tanzania, uh, Uganda, Rwanda. And I'm hoping to. Oh, I had invested in a bike, the one I lost in the accident, and I was hoping to do an around of the Africa, around the Africa continent, uh, 54 countries. Mm-hmm. And, that, and unfortunately, I was not able to fulfill that dream. But I have got a replacement now. And it shall happen. I can do it. You will. We have faith in you. Um, what has been all your time race what has been your most memorable moment when you're riding your bike you know that's the problem with riding the moment you start that bike it does not matter whether you're covering just five kilometers or 500 it feels so special there is a day i woke up in the morning and by the time i was sleeping in the evening i had gone all the way to moyale and back to nairobi on the same day that is a kilometers there is a day I left some place called Lokicha at 10 p.m. That's if you've heard of Kainuk. It's about uh-huh. 65 kilometers from Kainuk on your way to Trukana or to, to Lodwa. And I, I got to Nairobi in the morning at uh, around 7 a.m. I had been riding in the rain all night. Loved it. Nobody can understand it. There is another occasion where I left Lodwa at 3 p.m. and got to Nairobi at 12 uh, midnight. Special things you can never replace. I, I like how you're able there's a day on 14th of march 2020 i raced with an adventure bike against super bikes in nairobi it's actually on youtube you can actually check it out if you type east africa superbike championships on youtube you'll see a video on the, the homeboys page where uh-huh. we did races i was riding a super uh, an adventure bike something that's not supposed to be on the track against super bikes and i came in second it's amazing and then later after the race on the same evening i actually rode to mombasa for work because i had been caught in mombasa the following morning there are so many memories you cannot even pick one i just say i thank god i was given the opportunity to have a life on two wheels and i could do anything to give and you get to see some pretty amazing sights you you know you get tired of seeing sights because if you've been everywhere you know kenya is actually a very diverse country when you draw a line across the equator you know, uh, most people have not been on the upper part. I have been to all those corners, save for the corner, the right-hand side where there's Wajian Mandera. And the uh-huh. only reason I've not been to Wajian Mandera is because of the tourism thing, but I've been to those sites so many, many times. When you go to all those places, you see all that Kenya has to offer. I have crossed both Chalbis. I have actually, I don't know what, I actually rode across a lake, Lake Trukana to Komote Island. That's a, uh-huh. a kilometer uh-huh. riding in the lake. And it's, there's a video of it on YouTube, like, it's amazing. You can't even talk about it. <laughs> like there's so much, but the sites are nothing. Like it's interacting with the people in all those places in the natural environment, and then you find out that living in the city is such a ripoff because people here are dishonest. People here are not trustworthy. People here do not have a good heart. But people in those remote areas have the best hearts you can ever come across. I want I to go back to the city. I want to go back to writing already. <laughs> like, I miss it about it. Um, so, why aren't you writing right now? Ah, unfortunately, on the 17th, actually, the, I, on the 16th of October 2021, I spent the whole day, it was on a Saturday, I spent the whole day doing pro bono work. 
spent about six hours at the partner's police station assisting a friend who was uh, having an issue uh, that required some sort of intervention. That was a success. I visited uh, a few other uh, people, including my brother, who was uh, admitted at Kineta Hospital of uh, an electrocution case that happened in April. And then later in the evening, I decided to do the final uh, thing of the day. There was a client who was, I needed to go see somewhere. I didn't know the client. I actually knew the client's friend who was referring that they were asking for help. And uh, since it was during those days when there was curfew and they were not able to be out, you know, late, I decided to go see them since I could go back home after curfew. Uh, unfortunately, on my way back home, it was somewhere along Dicker Road. Uh, I got to Forest Road. Uh, the place where there's a flyover above Lemuru Road and I encountered uh, a drunk driver who was driving uh, erratically on the wrong side of the road. Me and my niceness, I thought to myself that since in the village roads where we don't have your carriageways, you know, everybody keeps left and you just pass each other as if nothing has happened. I committed myself and went to the left side of the road. Down below, oh, we have concrete barriers on both sides. Down below is like a 25 30 foot or even more drop to Limuru Road, and the guy just came directly into me and hit my bike head on. And the, actually, the only reason I'm alive right now is because, like, basically, like a second before the collision, I managed to gather enough energy and uh, jumped over his vehicle, but the landing was not very small, so I ended up uh, suffering several fractures on my left foot, about four of them. But yeah, I have been going through the healing process. It's been three and a half months now. Uh, I'll be back. I'm still healing. So for those of you who don't know, you can check out his... He had done a post on his social media. And during the accident, you had recorded what was happening after. Yeah. You weren't in any pain or it was still a dead adrenaline was still high? It's actually not about the adrenaline. It's the moment where you wake up from the impact of a collision. And what you can see is you have your left leg folded into like several pieces and facing your groin. And then you have a stream of blood, you know, like technically a few meters away from you and you know that's your blood. And you know it's in the middle of the night. So chances are you don't you won't have very many road users who understand the urgency of the situation. I had to communicate to the people who would be in a position to help me to tell them I needed urgent help to get me to hospital because I was badly hurt. And it actually paid off. Uh, I had a couple of friends, one who I called directly and another one who saw the post I did to the bikers group saying I urgently need help, I've had an accident. Come to rescue me and if they didn't come I think I would have lost my life on that night because I was bleeding a lot and I was badly injured. Anyway, wow. I actually documented uh, most of what happened after the accident when I came to... Uh, following the accident, I had a blood clot in my brain that uh, made me technically unconscious or unable to know about my life for the next few days. Got back to my senses on uh, Mashujade. And since then, I've done my best to document this because I'm hoping I'm never going to have another accident. So I would want to enable people understand how to deal with post-accident situations based on what I've gone through. It's difficult, but it's worth it. And that's why I think you're an amazing person because 
I wouldn't imagine wanting to see myself in that situation and then I don't know how much longer it would take me to get back on a bike but you managed to do so a few weeks later and you got on a bike with the help of your friends and you actually maybe rode it for a few meters but it it's it's amazing to see that you see regardless of what has happened to you in this situation you want to make this situation not just about you and about the negativity that has happened but you want to use it to help other people and show them what the journey is like and show them that you can get through it but at the same time you know make sure that the people who go through such situations also get justice because now you truly understand what it is like to be on that side of the road you know i think uh, i've been extremely lucky in my life to be surrounded by people who i think appreciate how i tend to do you know do things for others that you know they wouldn't be able to do for you and uh, it's been demonstrated i think since the accident i've actually got to benefit from the same from others like uh, since i got the accident uh, I was not able to go home and depend on myself because with a broken leg that is badly broken you you're not able to move around. In fact like for the first uh, three weeks I was bedridden where you can't even leave the bed, you can't go to the loo, you can't go anywhere. You do everything that a human being does on a very tiny hospital bed. And oh. then there are guests to go home. Uh, you can barely even make your way to the toilet. And you are required to eat, you're required to do other things like work. And it's not easy, especially, you know, people ignore disability. Like, they don't see it for the struggle that it is. It is. When you see someone, like, let's say in the middle of the road, either begging or even walking around, there are people who actually depend on themselves despite their disabilities. Uh-huh. For them to be able to even get to that place where they are is immense. People underestimate the power of taking one step. Right now, as we speak, it's been three and a half months since my accident. I cannot take one step without crutches. One step, like one step, and it, it's an, you can't explain it. So my friends thought uh, to enable me not, you know, reduce the suffering. They took me in. I've been living with uh, one of my best friends and his family since then, and that has made life really easy for me. And you see now, uh, it, it 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 feels like an obligation for me to do the least I can to ensure that other people who get into this kind of situations know exactly how to deal with them. And it's good to educate people during these kind of times when I'm most passionate about the fact that I'm undergoing a you know, recovery process from a bad injury. It helps when you share that information when it's in its raw form because that way people get to understand what happens after an accident. People assume that, oh, you take the person to hospital and that's it. No, that's the moment when suffering begins. And until the point where someone recovers fully, if they actually manage to do, Uh life is difficult. Life is extremely difficult. Let me give you an example. Most people who walk on crutches, whenever they go to the toilet for something as simple as a short call, they start, their bladders give in the moment they see the toilet. They start peeing on themselves. I thought it's something unique to me, but it's everybody asks says the same thing I wouldn't have known that but now you try to learn how to deal with it and as much as you try like the best you can do is just try <laughs> and there are small things it does not make any sense because if you yeah. don't know it it will not 
it will not make sense to you but these are things that are happening and then you know you ask yourself on a daily basis let's say like yesterday how many people have had accidents in the last 24 hours that will change their lives it's usually many a minimum of 100 per day probably more and these are things that are happening because people are not courteous on the road people don't want to be considerate about others it is okay for you to do to take an action on the road which will put your life on risk but don't put other people's lives on risk out there like speed when the roads are clear it's okay like be reckless when you are alone but the moment you're in a place where there's likely hood of other people being in that vicinity the least you can do is at least be considerate kill yourself if you want to but don't harm other people because it damages their lives definitely what would you say to someone who's out there listening to this and they'd say you know the biggest problem we have on the roads are all the buddha buddha guys on the roads they seem that they don't care for their own lives so why should we care for theirs is a blanket uh, application of blame games in Kenya where you put people in a category and make it appear like that category of people is the problem that exists but uh, I'm not I, before I joined the riding I was not very keen on getting into bikes but at one point I came across someone who was riding about a border sometimes in 2016 and that guy up to this point has never had a serious accident I know him up to this day because I saw him like a couple of weeks ago and his name is Bewot he rides uh, in the area along Wayakiwe near Deloitte and if a border border rider can go for five years or more because I don't know how long he's been riding for without getting involved in a serious accident and this is someone who is within like this very busy streets of Nairobi don't you think that maybe it's not the border border guys that are a problem it's the reckless ones and why is it always you know you, we are blaming the border border guy whenever there is an, a collision between a car and a bike why don't we look at the actual cause of each situation you know each accident to see who's demo this so that you can have clear data unfortunately if you're on a bike and you have a collision with a car obviously like, uh, the chances of you getting injured on the bike is much higher but that's not a reason to say i will not pay attention to the people who are riding or i will not give way to the people who are riding because i have something that's bigger than them if truck drivers would decide to use that role of be the biggest man or woman on the streets win i think every road would probably die within a, just a, a matter of weeks unfortunately the road sharing uh, you know the patterns in kenyan roads is not good we have formed a culture which is not healthy for us people push people off the road as if it's nothing and they get away with it people who drive on the wrong side of the road we saw a video a couple of weeks ago someone driving on the wrong side of Thika road at night flashing people lights you know as if they're supposed to give him away it does not make any sense we need to have people make the right noises to have the right authorities like ntsa the ministry of transport and the kenya police take their work seriously because they are not the reason why people get keep getting away with this is Right now, if you ask how many people get, you know, properly prosecuted for tra- causing traffic accidents, it's very the number is very low. I can actually say right now with confidence that despite my being a lawyer, I am sure the person who hit me has not been taken to court up to this point. 
it's not like i have interest in following up on the matter but i can tell you one thing for sure it's that's very good. true yeah you can get away with anything in this kenyan space because there's no strict uh adherence to the enforcement of the kenyan uh, the existing kenyan laws and until such a time when we know that there will be consequences for our actions people will continue being reckless out there with nothing to fear you're very you like it's there's no there's nothing there that you said is a lie because unfortunately in our country if you have the money you can get away with it first of all the people who are handling your case don't care about you so they you know there's so many problems in trying to get justice but doesn't mean that we should give up so with that said what, what do you see your next steps are I have to concede, you know, like uh, keep working as much as I can to enable myself to uh, recover from uh, the injuries that I have sustained. Unfortunately, when you have multiple uh, fractures on a leg, you end up dealing with other issues like disability, loss of uh, movement on the leg. Like my my left leg is technically disabled on the lower part. I have limited movement on the ankle and below, working on it using physiotherapy. As soon as uh, I'm able to recover on that one, I will get back to my normal life of being able to go to work, travel around, do everything if possible, and add as much value to life as I can. And but, yeah, nowadays it's just one day at a time, one step at a time, with crutch. The crutch. <laughs> most people who actually get into these kind of situations end up. Uh, falling into depression I've been very lucky not to but it's because of the support system around I'm wishing the people out there who you know who are recovering from various accidents the best possible healing process I'm hoping that they get to recover I'm hoping that they get their lives back you know you lose a lot the moment you become a houseplant because Definitely. being a yeah needs to be in bed for a long time to avoid like uh, straining the injuries that you have because anytime you make a movement you're risking getting you know injuries sometimes you force by circumstances to sleep on the bed with your you know broken parts elevated continuously and trust me on this one it's not easy to sleep on one position for four months or three months or however long it takes so i can only say i wish all the accident victims out there who are suffering through their healing processes the best possible wishes i know it's okay it's possible to recover try to avoid as many risks as you can avoid but yeah give it your best go through that pain do that physiotherapy as much as it hurts like hell and we will all recover and be back to nation building what would you want to tell maybe um let's say there's someone who's listening right now and they have a friend who's going through the same thing you're going through what would you tell them how do you think is best for you to comfort a friend during these times uh, reach out to people who have undergone this trauma like i would actually volunteer myself and say if anyone out there is undergoing uh let's say this recovery process is usually very stressful if you have any issues with the recovery process from your ac- talk to people who've gone through it they understand uh-huh. like there are things we talk about that three and a half months ago four months ago would not have made sense to me but when i talk to my fellow recovery <laughs> you know injury recovery people like 
it's so much fun it's actually fun to talk about it because now this person understands your struggles you know we are dependents we we become dependents like we cannot do most of the things for ourselves if you have a friend out there who's undergoing recovery from an accident please do whatever you can visit them one even if it's just one day just go make a spend a few minutes with them it will make a huge 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 difference into their lives of course sometimes it becomes difficult when someone is going through depression and they don't want to see people but make the effort let them know that they are loved let them you know people tend to reject uh, broken things and broken people are considered broken things i have had friends i have not seen for three and a half months that i would spend a lot of time with before the accident and of course as much as people are busy for some reason it's not easy for them to make time to see you know me it's not like i'm that special or anything but it would be nice to be seen by people because it reminds you that they have not like given up on you simply because you're disabled now they have not given up on you because you're not able to be at the best like you were before i am the kind of person that takes a lot of effort whenever you know before the accident i'll go see most of my friends make time like even pester them because i believe in social ties i believe in checking on people see them you know confirm that they're okay now you know those those things are not uh, taken seriously in the world but it, people are different but yeah if you're recovering and you want to reach out reach out to me via social media wakili timam instagram whatsapp facebook send me a message i will respond i will try to respond and i will if it's something to do with the accident recovery we will talk as much as we can to enable you at least get back into your positive spirits that's just amazing and definitely we have heard all the people who are listening have heard what you had had to say about this and we are taking away because we do take advantage we take advantage of the fact that you know every day we wake up you can you get you get to do things and you think that every day is going to be the same and that's not always the case you know and you never know what you have until you lose it so this is has been such an insightful interview is there anything else you'd like to share well uh i would want to encourage people to listen and follow this podcast because i've been you know paying attention and i like the traditional the content takes and as you can see you know like today i may be one of the guests but there are other people who've come through this and done similar things i encourage people who have stories to tell to feel free to reach out and tell their stories because if they're not documented no one will know about them but when you share with people for some reason it helps so i would encourage people check out the the, the podcast listen to the content if it's interesting to you you can skim through what has been you know done up to this point and if you feel like you have something that you would want to talk about i would encourage that person to talk to you so that you can see whether there is uh, something you can do to document what they have to say it may add value to so many people definitely the most important thing we can do is you know share our story because if we don't share it no no get to hear it and the more people that hear our stories show at least they get to know that they're not alone and they get to feel that you know i can get through any situation i i am going through in this moment because I know someone else who has gone through the same and has made it out on top. 
So I'd like to thank you so much for coming on the show and just always being a, a motivational force for, you know, I always know that you, you're listening when I'm online and, and I do thank you for that. And I am praying for your recovery because I know, I know the joy of writing things to you. And I know it's not easy, but it is something that you love to do. And I, as long as you you have that hope and that passion for what you do, I do believe you'll make a full recovery and you'll be back on the roads. Actually, uh, I'm already legally riding. Okay, it's not listening to this. I've been riding for <laughs> But yes, uh, if maybe has a doubt that, oh, if you have a very bad accident, you're never getting back to riding. I am riding with, you know, carrying my two crutches on the back seat. A bit irresponsible, but I'm trying to do it as safely as I can. And so far, I've managed to do six days. And I think it can be done. Recovery is possible. Nothing is impossible when you're willing to do it. Yeah. As long as you... Where there's a will, there's a way. Okay, so thank you so much for coming on. Uh, you can reach, you can share your social media platforms so anyone who's interested in catching up with you, they can find you. Mine is easy. It's Wakili Timam, T-I-M-A-M, on all platforms. Uh, that includes Google search. So if you search Wakili Timam, you will either find my social handles or my content. I have a blog where I write about some of my travel stories and you might actually enjoy them. So just take your time, Google search or, you know, go to any platform, look for Wakili Timam, that would be me. And if it's not me, but look for another one until you find me. Thank you very much. <laughs> Definitely. I will be leaving all your contact information, your social media platforms below this post. So make sure to subscribe and you can catch me at the Nairobi Feminist on all platforms. So I love you for listening. Goodbye for now. The Nairobi Feminist. Thank you so much for coming on.